Leaders, there is no way around it. Your culture is going to determine your level of execution. No matter what kind of systems you have in place, how you lead, dangle carrots, all of that stuff, however your culture is, will determine your execution. The good news is, is you get to quote unquote, set the table for that, set your team up for that. And that's what we're going to talk about today in our podcast is how do you do that? Because as soon as we start talking about culture and leading with emotional intelligence. You talk about soft leadership skills. It sounds like that's the hard thing to do, the time-consuming thing to do, and it really isn't. It's a mindset shift that once you start thinking a certain way, thinking with the soft skills, thinking with the emotional intelligence, it's amazing how it just changes. And you can do that without spending a lot of time and certainly hardly any money. But the bottom line is, is your culture is really going to determine in the long term where your execution is going to go. So it's something you have got to grasp, especially in today's age of the workforce and what their expectations are and where they want to work. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Today, we're going to talk about culture versus execution. So first, there is no mediocrity in a championship locker room. The level of good or bad culture will always outseed your ability for your team's ability to execute. Without the right culture, your team cannot perform at a high level for long term. You may have some short-term gain for long-term pain if you're not leading this right. If you're in charge of any group of people, you can set the culture. So for those of you thinking that you're in a multi-level organization, if you control any group on your own, you can set the culture of your area. So obviously, if you're in a small business or you're an entrepreneur, well, it's you. You can do that, but um, you can create this culture even in a large corporation. Just operate in your circle of influence. I mean, I'm realistic, so I wholeheartedly agree. It's hard to set a culture in a large company if those around you, above you, um, they're just not down for that struggle. You have to create a culture filter, meaning you can filter out the bad around you and not let it control your thoughts or how you respond to issues or what behavior you allow. So this is this is very vital if you're working in a multi-level operation that how you're led does not have to be how you lead other people. And please don't use that as a crutch. If you are a true blue leader, even if you're an emerging leader, you're trying to grow within a space, don't let what's above you determine how you're going to be. That is a victim mentality, and that is not going to work. When you're not the ultimate authority, you still can't let that guide you. You still have the control of it. So you simply have to be mentally tough enough for doing that. Doing nothing to improve the culture is simply not an option for a good leader. You have the power to do what you want to do, and your team deserves a good culture. So before we get to great cultures, let's get into cultures that don't work. Cultures that 
aren't really cultures, but they are destructive and often self-destructive cultures that put a stranglehold on your team's execution. So obviously the authoritarian style of uh, basically scare tactics, again, that's short-term gain, but long-term pain because initially people will snap too, but over the long term, they will definitely just start ignoring you and shut down and never give you their best. The absence of leadership, the opposite, is also true. Being a fluffy style manager, you're a marshmallow. You're you really aren't. You, you don't really have any kind of direction because you're so worried about offending somebody or hurting somebody's feelings. That might actually be more destructive than a, a thought authoritarian style uh, leadership, and that obviously kills execution. But culture is a big buzzword that's being thrown around almost like a status symbol. So let's talk about fake culture. I mean, who are you trying to buy off with your employees loyal and happiness? I think many leaders have a false sense of what your team really wants. Many leaders think that the key to happiness is having free snacks or drinks or beanbag chairs, foosball tables. And here's a great list put together by Scott Bielke on a blog of humansynergistics.com of what culture is not. And he even brings up having foosball tables, wearing flip-flops to the office, free beer Fridays, a fabulous set of values just written on the walls but never followed through on, colorful office walls or concept spaces, standing desks, a certain style of dress, where it's no, no suits, uniforms, it's hoodies, letting people come as they are, no dress code whatsoever, fun food, drink, nap pods, meditation rooms, quirky CEOs with cool concepts, you know, slogans and t-shirts and all those different things. And certainly things like that are nice and certainly they add to creating a fun space. But here's the difference because many of you probably are like, well, wait a minute, we got some of that where I work and I think it's pretty cool. Here's the key difference. It's cool to have that and it adds to your culture, but that can't be your culture. If you just let that be your culture, you're never going to get anywhere because it won't be long before people realize it's just playtime all the time. And then sooner or later, something's going to happen where you do have to hold people accountable. You do have to have some level of accountability. And then you start going down that road as a leader and everybody's looking at you like you're speaking a foreign language. Like, whoa, where's this coming from? Everything was great. Now all of a sudden you got a problem. So that's why you can't have that be your culture. But let's talk about, before we move on in the uh, fake culture realm, let's talk about the fake behaviors of cultures because that's ultimately what we're trying to get to is what you can't have is you can't have a fluffy culture either. It really has to be defined in how you're going to talk to each other, how you're going to have conflict and solve problems, how you're going to treat the customers and the product, what you all are going to commit to, just how much you're going to work, how much you're going to contribute, all of those different things. So don't make the same mistake with culture behaviors you do with culture things like a foosball table or beanbag chairs, those behaviors have to be a high standard. Like I said, there is no mediocrity in a championship locker room. There just isn't. Think about teams that are winning whatever world championship they play for. Nobody's sitting around when somebody misses a a shot or screws up a pass or whatever the case might be. And they just say, oh, oh, well, maybe next time. I mean, they really hold each other to a high standard. So when you're thinking about your culture behaviors, don't make them as fake as some people make their culture objects because that's where you can really 
just lose everybody. You know, fake cultures look a lot like those on social media. They only show the good stuff, the vacations, their fashion, people they hang out with. They never show the struggle or the sacrifice. And we all instinctively know that things struggle from time to time, even in the best operations. And where you work is a lot like that. Rocky Balboa once said, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. So even in the best places to work, there are struggles, there are disagreements, there's differences of opinions and directions and where your team will go. And if there's never a struggle or disagreement or conflict, you probably have a very weak culture and things are just being hidden or swept under the rug. So if you're the leader and you're only worried about the likes to what you present to your team, you're failing them and ultimately failing yourself. Think of it this way. In order to always be liked or always present a happy version of the day-to-day operation, Imagine the amount of manipulation you would have to have to consistently be committed to making happiness happen all the time. Yeah, that's right. I said manipulation. That's exactly what you'd have to do to keep a happy face every single day. That sounds like a horrible way to lead. Uh, If you could call it that, it really wouldn't be leading. It's exhausting. I've even seen that. I reported to a leader once, constantly solved one issue after another by massaging how people feel about it rather than addressing the actual issue. It's like watching somebody spinning 20 plates at a time and you you know sooner or later one of those plates is coming down. You just know it. And uh, it it just, it was exhausting, but the emotions and beliefs and uh, what he was trying to do, it was like a fireman putting emotional fires out. Think about how much you'd have to remember what you said to someone in order to maintain that level of, of keeping them happy and where they're at. So, you know, the old saying used to be, you join companies, but leave bad managers. And now the quote you're seeing is you join companies, but you leave toxic work cultures. It's actually expanded to where if you had a bad boss, you know, you would leave that. But now if you have a bad team, if you have somebody on that team, that's just a, I guess a bully or this really take away from the operation. Well, you're not willing to put up with that either. And uh, I'm sure you immediately know when you're in a toxic work, work culture, you can, uh, uh, you can tell right away. One thing I love about Dave Ramsey's approach and his business to his culture at Ramsey Solutions is they absolutely do not tolerate gossip at all. And you think about yelling and backstabbing, favoritism, nepotism, the good old boys club, or just your general suck up. That makes me think of brainy Smurf in a sense. If you ever watched the Smurfs way back, remember I'm an 80s kid. So if this doesn't resonate with you, sorry, but brainy Smurf, every time the Smurfs would go off on an adventure and they be getting in trouble, brainy Smurf saying, Papa Smurf, always sad. And that person, in the operation that nobody wanted to be around. You you think of movies like The Boiler Room or The Wolf of Wall Street. It always ends bad. Just a horrible environment that is not based on any true culture, any true direction of where you're going. You remember in the previous podcast, we talk about building a vision, a mission, and a strategy. And that's what's creating your culture is you're setting boundaries and guidelines for that. So it reminds me, you know, many, many years ago, I lived in Florida, say many, many years ago, back in the 1900s, as I like to say, we had this uh, auto repair shop that near where we lived called Ice Cold Auto Air. And he ran the cheesiest commercials. You know, you could tell it was super low budget and it was all about the fact that he was the absolute cheapest. And all he did was automobile air conditioning, just AC for the car. And he did have very cheap prices and a very cheap operation of where he operated from. And I always used to laugh at his commercials right up until my air broke in my car. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I keep seeing these commercials and yeah, maybe I feel a little bit of a sucker that, you know, I was just here talking about these commercials and now I'm going to go there, but I thought I'd try them out. So I pull into their their facility and in his front office and there he was. So I walk in and the waiting room has no chairs. 
none. Everybody's standing. And he is at a desk in the front of the room, much like a like a late night judge or, or a court of law where the, the desk is elevated. He's standing at the desk looking down at everybody, uh, almost just yelling like a carnival barker. And there was one particular conversation where a customer that was going back and forth with him and uh, really wasn't going well. He, he, they were all pretty much arguing. And then one of the, all of a sudden, the owner who do, does all these cheesy commercials just just put his head down and pointed to the left wall with his finger. So, of course, I looked over there and there was a sign. He actually had a sign made that said, failure to plan on your part does not create an emergency on my part. Now, what kind of culture does that breed if that's his stance with the customers? And you guessed it, in about a year, he was completely out of business. Perfect way you can increase your contribution to the culture of your organization Patrick Lencioni and the team of the Table Group that brought you the five dysfunctions of a team and the ideal team player have come out with the six types of working genius, the genius of wonder, invention, discernment, galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity. Find out what this means and how it impacts your ability to move forward. Go to workinggenius.com and take the assessment. That's workinggenius.com. Find out what gifts you bring to work with you and tell them the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast sent you. Okay, I think we've done enough to cover the bad culture. So how can you set the right culture? Yes, even if you run one department in a large company, you have the, uh, the ultimate authority in that part. And it all works the same with the right mindset. You just simply must commit. You must set unbreakable boundaries on what behaviors you'll allow. You can't just say it. You have to do it. It can't be some pretty poster on the wall. You have to really believe it. You have to be the gatekeeper of those boundaries. So first, here's a simple definition of the word culture. Culture is an agreed upon or unagreed upon set of behaviors you and your team allow to happen on a consistent basis. And I said agreed and unagreed because if you don't protect boundaries and you just allow whatever behavior to continue, that's exactly what will continue. So how you handle conflict, provide feedback, make decisions, celebrate success, or have the hard talk for the, with those who need it, cultures the behaviors that are allowed to exist. The leader isn't really in charge. The accepted behaviors are. So let me clarify that, or not clarify, just say it again. The leader isn't in charge. It's what you allow to happen. That's what's in charge. So don't fool yourself. So whether you're creating something new or a new team, or you just want your current team to reach a highly successful culture, let's talk about creating the culture in your space. The way I like to put it is setting the culture table. So I'm going to use an example here is if you were going out to a five-star restaurant, I think all of us can kind of resonate with going out to a really nice place to eat, whether it's some someplace your work sent you or someplace you're, you're going for a special occasion. There's just a whole different atmosphere and vibe to it. You can tell there is a certain culture going on. Otherwise, the service wouldn't be what it is and the food wouldn't be what it is and so on. So I thought this would be a great example of how to talk about setting the culture table, like how to, how to really put the environment in place. So first first thing, so again, we're, we're, whether you're creating a new team or you're just refocusing your team, this is the start. So the first thing you're going to do, obviously, is make a reservation. So you're going to tell your team, you're going to explain to them where you're going and, and why they're going there. Tell them right up front that the meeting is only about culture, not performance or stats or even job expectations, meaning the job tasks. We have to set the right behavior expectations first. I believe it was John Maxwell that says people have to believe in the leader before they believe in the message 
they have to believe in you before they'll believe what you're going to say. First, making a reservation in a fine dining restaurant, you'd you'd be excited to go there or have an excited feeling. Oh, I can't wait. Heard so much about that place. So you really want to talk it up in the reservation stage of what the meeting is about and why it's about, because that's what's going to get your team excited. Hey, we're going to talk about how we're going to treat each other in a, in a very positive way to get them to do that. So secondly, you're going to bring the team and you're going to show them to their table. You're going to talk to them about the physical work environment and where things should happen, how they should happen. Think about the fine dining experience and the place settings and how elegant everything is. So think about your workspace. Does it look like a place you would even want to work? Is there a bunch of junk lying around, endless stacks of papers, boxes, things you don't need? Could your your team will do their best in a really good work environment? So here in the second phase, remember earlier we talked about the foosball tables and the beanbag chairs and all that. That's okay to have here. But again, you can't make that your culture. It's about the behavior. So add some of those cool things in. I'm not, you know, just some nerdy stick in the mud saying, oh, everything's got to be crisp and clean like an operating room. You can have some fun. You can have a dartboard. You can, you need to have things that help people release from work. Just don't make it what you're all about. So add those things in there and in their work environment and their workspace organization. So third, review the menu. You know, you're going to talk and think about in a restaurant. You talk about exquisite dishes. And so you're talking about the great work expectations and what uh, skill sets are expected. So now here we're in this third phase. We are talking about the job task of what we would like to see, what we want to strive for. Don't make it about results of the past. Don't make it sound like an evaluation. Really talk about where you're going. There's a psychological thing to constantly talking about what you want to see and the behaviors you want to see versus not seeing things. And that's 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 usually what you get at work. You get, always get the things of don't do this, don't do that. Or or some of the things like what I call shotgun accountability. And I don't know if that's a good term for that, but you ever had this situation where somebody on the team did something wrong and then everybody's being emailed about it to not do it. And about 98% of the people receiving the email are like, I don't already do it. So, but when you get a steady diet of that, everything is so negative. So talk about what you want to see. So talk about how you work together, how you communicate, how you handle conflict, how do you deal with clients, all of those things. The menu is the how. So you're talking about how you're going to do things. So fourth, think about the constant attention by the server. You're getting your beverages, your appetizers, the meal itself, the filling of the drink. They're constantly coming around, making sure you're okay, almost bringing you things you didn't even ask for, all of that stuff. Really good server will will bring you that next drink before your current drink is even empty. There's no delay in anything, all of those things. So as the leader, are you constantly serving your team? What are you doing to keep them moving? Do you make sure their drink is refilled before it's empty? What that really means at work is building mental gas stations from one project to another that keeps them motivated on moving forward. This is the stage where the work happens and the culture really builds because now you've set expectations, you've talked about behaviors, you talked about you know, what's expected of the job, and now you're serving them. Things are happening and this is where the, the culture really builds. And you as the leader, you must be the gatekeeper of the culture. You must must hold the line on boundaries. You must take action where there's a violation. And that's the word I use in, in my professional life when I see that happen. I call it a violation. Um, it needs to be that serious. And that's the way you should look at it. And as I said in the beginning, culture will exceed your ability to execute if these things 
aren't done the way they should be. So is the leader really in charge or the accepted behaviors? Are they in charge? This is where success lives. Don't be, uh, things are going to go well when you get started because it's all new. Don't be sucked into, you know, when the team is running at its best, that is the, the time that things will go wrong. Bill Gates said success is a lousy teacher. It makes you think you can't lose. And that's where you are if you're not a good gatekeeper and realize that even in the best of teams, some things can go wrong. So fifth, it's time for dessert. So of course you must have amazing desserts if you're at an amazing restaurant. So, um, well, you're probably thinking, how's that work related? The dessert is your team's recognition strategy. You've set the stage, your team is now winning, but that's going to stop without constant recognition and feedback. So that's the dessert of, of the entire evening is how do you thank them? How do you encourage them? How do you pat them on the back? How do you make sure they know what is happening? Like before, I've said in a previous podcast that if you really want to have a successful team that, that is constantly moving forward and giving you their best and stretching and growing, they have to know two things without looking up anything. They have to know if your team is winning or losing, and they have to know that what they do day in and day out contributes to that winning or losing. If they can't instinctively answer those questions, they aren't getting enough recognition, they aren't getting enough feedback, and they're never going to stretch. So you have to make sure that your team knows how to even score that, but they got to know that they're winning and know what they do matters. And lastly, the good old Yelp review. As a leader, are you inviting feedback? Are you using the feedback? Is feedback part of the organization's DNA? This can be simple, uh, like a thumbs up or thumbs down. It can be more complicated like you're doing a complete autopsy of a failed project. You can do a, a 360 review. You, you can do all kinds of things, you know, learn how each other works. But what kind of feedback are you accepting? What kind of Yelp review are you getting? Because here's the thing that we talked about before is that it's not the leader who's in charge. It's what the leader's allowing to happen is in charge. So if you're not open to feedback, or as I like to say, if you're not accessible, you're not accountable. So if you're going to hide under your desk and say, oh, we're killing it, boss, look, at these numbers, but secretly your team is disintegrating or you have high turnover. People just want to run every time they see you. Do you make them perspire instead of inspire? All of those things. That's, you have to take the feedback and use it and use it to improve. And that's got to be part of your feedback. Let them know hey, we're using it to improve so they know it. So you got to keep learning from that and making changes if you want to have a healthy feedback system and show your team that you actually use it so they will keep providing it. So now the whole course of, or you know, the whole course of the whole point of the analogy of fine dining is for the leader to get five-star reviews. I mean, that's what you really want, right? And uh, the only way that can happen, depending on how you set the environment for the right culture, and more importantly, how you as the leader serves the team, that's what's going to start bringing in those five-star reviews. So you have to set the culture boundaries, serve them with intensity and unwavering consistency, and reward and recognize the behaviors you want. Then your execution will come alive and your team are ready for whatever challenges come their way. And oh yeah, there will be more challenges that come your way. So get your culture ready so you can execute where you want to. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people 
is entirely up to you.